think one of the most important prerequisites or, or things that we can work on is building our, our network and our relationships in an authentic and meaningful way well before we have to lean into them for something. So how do we create that network? I often get a chance to work with students and interns, residents, and mentees. And this is one of the first things that we end up talking about because it's such an important it's such an important foundation that we live into, and that is building relationships. We cannot do this work alone. You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. This week, my guest is Marisa Fairbo. Marisa is the SVP and Chief Supply Chain Officer at Advent Health. Advent Health is a nonprofit healthcare system. Founded in 1973 with the mission to make communities healthier, they currently operate in 50 hospital campuses and hundreds of care sites in diverse markets throughout nine states. Marisa joined Advent Health in July 2019, but prior to this, she held several roles within healthcare supply chain, most recently as the Chief Supply Chain Officer for Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center. During her career, Marisa also held positions with Shands Healthcare and the Hershey Company. As we know, running any form of supply chain is not easy. Imagine the level of complexity then when operating a healthcare supply chain, especially one that is backed by a strong faith-based mission. As a result of this, Marisa has a very unique perspective on what it means to be a supply chain leader, and it's for this reason that I'm glad that we're able to get her on the show. During this episode, Marisa and I discuss the role faith plays in the business decision-making process, how to implement ESG initiatives in a healthcare supply chain, and the best way to build meaningful professional relationships. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Marisa. Welcome to Transform Talks. Hi, Maria. It's great to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. So I've got a lot of questions for you, but I'm going to start with the first one, which is the most important one, I think, in the entire show, which is the fact that you are also a gator. For those of you listening, that means the University of Florida. So you're a Gator. Tell me all about that. I am. Actually, I, I am a, an Alachua County resident, too. I was born in Gainesville and grew up in Gainesville and then had the opportunity to study in Gainesville uh, for my undergrad before really needing to get out of Florida and see what else was out there. So it was a great experience. Um, and uh how how did you find your experience there? Loved it. I loved it. I uh, I found that the University of Florida was a really fun campus, really big. Um, I went there during the years we were doing really well in football. Uh, so going to the football games was amazing. And I was also there. I mean, you know, I'm going to age myself, but, but I was there when Mr. Two Bits was still there. And... You know, it was uh, it was great. I loved it. Absolutely. And, and the education is amazing, you know, so 
what else can I say? It was an it was an amazing time. I do like you. I had a chance to see see Mr. Tubitz multiple times and got to be there during some of the highlights of football and basketball seasons. It was it was a great time. It's a great campus, great education. To your point, yeah, it was. So okay, so you're from Florida originally, and you know something else that I miss from Florida are the public subs. I got to tell you, you can't find them anywhere else. If you are not, if you're listening and you're not from Florida, go to Publix when you do go to Florida and get yourself a sub. There is nothing like it, right? That is so true. When my husband, who's not from Florida, he's from Pennsylvania, had a chance to try Publix subs, it was game over. So you're exactly right. There's a staple in Florida. It is very much. So let's talk about your work because, you know, here in Transform Talks, we talk a lot about uh, supply chain. We talk a lot about the transformation uh, within supply chains. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that your organization, Advent Health, it, your approach is informed largely by faith. And, uh, you know, I don't think we've ever really featured that in this, organ uh, you know, about an organization on the show. And I want to know, I guess I'm curious, how do you go about striking the ideal balance between the company's mission and the business side of the organization? Yeah, that, well, that's a great question. So um, as you mentioned, I have, I have the opportunity to serve at Advent Health, which is a faith-based, not-for-profit provider of healthcare services. We're in nine different states. Uh, we've got over 50 different individual hospitals across those nine states, servicing millions of patients a year. Our mission, though, is to extend the healing ministry of Christ, and we approach our mission and our day-to-day -day and our patients with that in mind, um, really aiming to uh, look at the mind, body, and spirit of our patients that come into our facilities and ask specific questions around that. And so I, I think that your question about business and mission, you know, from my perspective is that it's a very harmonious intertwining. Our business is to extend the healing ministry of Christ, is to provide health care in the communities that we serve with that specific mission in mind. Um, and I, I think that our patients that have been a part of our facilities over the years and experienced our world would say that there is a, would say that there is a difference as well. So I think they go hand in hand and we approach uh, one another within our organization um, with that in mind. We approach our external partners in a very respectful way. We, we aim to really respect and, and serve one another um, and make sure that, that we're creating an environment that folks, that folks want to be in. So it is, a, it is a beautiful organization. Our culture is, is very unique. And it's it's a pleasure to have had the opportunity to serve for the last four years here and, and really grow and meet a ton of different people and leaders within the organization. You know, it's not unlike a, a, a what a lot of organizations face with regards to aligning their missions and goals and objectives, right? So a lot of, you know, mission isn't just some fancy words on a letterhead or on a wall, right? They're, they're about actually creating action to make, to live by them, right? So I want to I want to shift the conversation a little bit to uh, ESG 
you know, because we know that that's something that supply chains across the world are busy trying to to focus on, which is to reduce their impact on the planet. And this involves a lot of initiatives. We know this. So I guess the question I have is maybe similar to my previous question, which is how are you able to prioritize and strike, you know, the right balance between providing these essential services that you provide and at the same time keeping your goals of uh, implementing the ESG initiatives? Well, that is such a great question. And for the last almost year and a half or so, our organization has really been leaning into the environmental sustainability space. Um, About that time, our CEO, Terry Shaw, and our CFO, Paul Rathman, requested that myself and Rob Roy, our chief investment officer, uh, co-lead out a strategy and, and really lean into a holistic approach to our sustainability within Advent Health, our sustainability strategy. We've done a lot over the years in many different areas within our organization, um, but now it's about really creating that plan together that includes everything and, and make sure that we're all focused in, in the right areas. It's been a journey and it's been so exciting to learn all about sustainability, what it means, how to, um, even just the, the, the language of it was, was brand new for me. And we have recently, in the last year, signed the HHS Climate Pledge, uh, which is a pledge many other providers and some suppliers have signed to reduce our carbon footprint, our scope one and two, by 50% by 2030, and then be net neutral by 2050 in, in all three scopes. And, and I would say that's been that's been something that we haven't taken lightly signing that. Uh, we've wanted to figure out and understand all what we would need to be doing behind the scenes to reach those goals and targets. And so a very small but mighty team has been working behind the scenes to understand um, how what our different sources of energy are, how we begin to think about greening our energy, how we think about solar and on-site energy. We've also looked at our plant equipment and tried to unpack the energy usage and consumption of major major HVAC units or chillers, and really an effort to understand what contributes to our carbon footprint today. Um, And through all of that data gathering, we as an organization have put together a plan to achieve those 2030 uh, goals and ultimately the 2050 goals. You mentioned supply chain, and, and what's been amazing about this journey is just the intertwining of supply chain and investments in the um, in the work particularly in scope three and so having having a front seat to that work as it's been being crafted has been very beneficial as both the leader one of the leaders over environmental sustainability and also one of our leaders over supply chain and being able to tie those two together at an early time and so um, from a supply chain side, uh, we have done carbon accounting at a high level, really using uh, a factor, an EPA factor on our supply spend 
but as we as we get more sophisticated and as our suppliers get more sophisticated and they're able to they're able to make changes and make a difference towards their goals we believe we're going to have to do some hybrid accounting in the future in supply chain to make sure that those suppliers are getting credit for the work that they're doing and so we're on a journey to recraft the way that we're calculating that information um, and then just how we're working with our suppliers in general. Uh, I think that beginning to talk about the importance of what their sustainability journey is at this point helps our suppliers recognize what's important to us as providers and begin to push these types of questions up internally and then ultimately help prepare our industry for being able to make more decisions based on the environmental sustainability footprint of our of our suppliers in the future so it's a journey it's been a fun journey i've enjoyed learning a lot we have an amazing team of folks here working on this and i really truly suspect that we'll continue to iterate in the future and it's exciting to be a part of how to make sure that we leave our world a better place than where we than where we where we assumed it, um, and we think about generations to come. You you asked the question about the intersection of uh, of our business and ESG, and once again, I think this is really a harmonious tie. You know, within uh, who Advent Health is, how we are tied very closely with the belief that God created our world and he created it for us to take care of. We believe that the environmental sustainability work is a natural part of our mission as well. You spoke a lot about teams and uh, the people, and I want to move to the people element now in our conversation because I know that you've spoken in the past about the importance of building meaning professional relationships. And uh, one of the ways that I, I read that you foster these relationships is by holding frequent cabinet retreats. Uh, so first of all, what is that? And uh, what's your goal in going into a retreat, retreat? And I guess the question I have is, how do you maintain those relationships in between these retreats? Well, you have hit the nail on the head. I think one of the most important prerequisites or, or things that we can work on is building our, our network and our relationships in an authentic and meaningful way well before we have to lean into them for something. So how do we create that network? I often get a chance to work with students and interns, residents, and mentees. And this is one of the first things that we end up talking about because it's such an important it's such an important foundation that we live into, and that is building relationships. We cannot do this work alone ever in, in what we do. And we are way more powerful when we're doing this work together and rowing in the same direction for it. And so continuing to foster relationships and build relationships, not just directly with me, but even as you've described our cabinet retreats, even within our team, across our team, is, is just incredibly important. We, we do have retreats that happen annually, uh, and we do have 
you asked about what we do in the meantime, we, we as a cabinet meet weekly. We meet uh, once a week for 90 minutes. And that's not only to go over business items, but it's also to have an opportunity to connect in a personal way with one another, make sure we know what's going on in each other's lives, make sure that uh, there's an opportunity for folks to share about something that might be professionally going on that only involves one or two folks from our team. Um, we usually start our cabinets with a devotion or a prayer to allow for folks to, and, and each of our different cabinet members get a chance to lead that, um, to allow for folks to come to the meeting in a personal and professional way um, with something that's important for them to convey. During our annual retreats, we, we have usually preceded the cabinet retreat with an extended cabinet retreat, which is basically um, our broader group of leaders within our supply chain and business service area, um, which have had a chance to connect on what are very important goals or initiatives that we need to be focused on as we head into the next 12 to 18 months of work. And when our extended cabinet gets together and has a chance to talk about it, we as a cabinet get to understand what our teams are seeing as important. After that extended cabinet retreat, our cabinet comes together for a day and spends time together uh, putting our roadmap of what the next 12 to 18 months should look like for us, where we want to be focused um, and how we're interconnecting work. There are different dependencies that are always existing with different initiatives. So how do we ensure that each of the cabinet members has visibility into what somebody else is doing um, so that their interdependencies can come to light and everybody can be on the same page about where we're trying to go? I want to move on to leadership now because uh, it's important to talk about the next generation of supply chain leaders, right? Or leaders in general. So. What do you think are the sort of uh, necessary traits that a leader needs to possess that, you know, maybe the current generation don't, or maybe what mindsets should they leave behind and what mindsets do you think they would do well to adopt? That's a, such a great question, and I, I do often get that question. I think one of the one of the most important aspects as I look at the next generation of leaders are people who are number one lifelong learners. So folks that uh, may not know everything about a certain aspect, but are willing to roll their sleeves up and learn new elements, new ideas, new processes. And they get in there and they take time, they ask questions from folks who know and understand the process that they're trying to learn. And I think that when I see folks who are really digging into learning new things, it shows me as a leader that that person demonstrates a lot of potential because they're willing to learn new things. And as, as somebody walks into a role, they'll know a certain amount of, of information. But when they're ready for the next role, they won't know everything about that next role. 
And so someone who has that potential is willing to learn new things that that next role would bring for them. I would say the second thing that really sticks out to me are, are folks who are proactive. I think in this world today, there is those folks who may have, have grown up not necessarily having to work hard for everything that they have or put in the time or roll their sleeves up and dig in. And, and I see, you know, the, the folks that stand out um, are ones that really are proactively addressing different roadblocks that might be in the way and they're getting the job done. They're figuring out a way to get the job done. They're using their resources and they're using their initiative and they're figuring out a way to get it done. And, and I think that those two things are not technical skills that people possess, but they are behavior traits that folks who I see being successful do have. I read a quote recently that you put up on on LinkedIn in a post which made reference to one of Dwight D. Eisenhower's most famous quotes. Now, for those of you that are listening, they're not in the U.S. That he was the 34th president of the United States. I know because I did a book report on him for my sixth grade class. Um, but the quote is, accomplishment will prove to be a journey, not a destination. So what's next for your journey? What are you looking to accomplish? Oh, I, uh, I enjoy so much what I do right now in the work that I'm work in the team that I get to do, that I get to work with every day. Uh, the leadership above me is amazing. All around me is amazing. And the leadership on our teams is, is just been phenomenal. So for me, I, I also probably subscribe to enjoying and learning new things. And I feel like our organization has done a great job of allowing me to step in and try to learn new things to help provide value for the organization. So I, I am here to serve and, and, uh, and do what the road ahead, what, what the road ahead brings for me. So I'm very, I'm very excited about the future for Advent Health, about the future for uh, supply chain and business services. Um, and I'm just, I'm having a great time. It's been, it's been an awesome four years. I bet it has. So uh, we've reached the end of the the podcast, and I want to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests, which is a recurring feature. So um, I'd like to ask you about a book, um, any kind of book that has made an impact on your life, whether it's personal or professional, and why? Well, books are uh, one of those things that I feel like whenever I read a good book, it's like becomes a new, you know, that new thing that's left an impression on me. So it's hard to always bring it down into one, but I probably have a I probably have a couple that I would share with you. I think I think I would share three with you. First two are are just the very classic business books, and I think that the Seven Traits for Highly Effective People is one of them. In fact, when I think about uh, my earlier comment about resource and initiative, that comes from that that book. I think explains some of that logic and beautifully in the first section about being proactive. And so that, that's one that's really resonated with me. And I've read it multiple times over the years. And every time I read it, it sort of hits me in a new way, at, given the point of 
whatever it is that I'm working through. Um, I think From Good to Great is a good book that, in my mind, it, it created this picture of a flywheel that continues to sort of turn in the right direction, which was a visual that I've always kind of thought back to over time in, in whatever I might be doing. So there's elements of that book that have always kind of stayed with me. But um, most recently, I've read a book, and it's called The Race for Tomorrow by Simon Mundy. And it's an excellent book around uh, environmental sustainability. I think he does an amazing job of painting a picture of the impact that we're having on our planet by visiting two dozen different locations and really beginning to unpack the history of those locations and the impact that that specific spot is having right now due to um, environmental changes. And so I felt like it wasn't very politically polarizing, but I also felt like it did a great job just explaining the current state of, of stories of people to help provide perspective for, for folks who may not physically be able to see some of the places that he's been. So I'd recommend that to your audience as well. That is great. I'm going to check that one out. Thank you so much. Marisa, I want to I want to thank you. Thank you for being on here. Thanks for talking to us and for sharing your story. And I look forward to hearing more about your uh, what you're doing, your accomplishments and your journey. So thanks so much for joining us on Transform Talks. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.